Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Having a good Wednesday so far. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, and glad to have you along here on this hour of spiritual direction. This is the Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And when you think of certain days, certain holidays, certain observances, a lot of times there are those traditional foods that are associated with those days. What do you eat on St. Valentine's Day? Well, if you have somebody who sends it to you, you might have a box of chocolates that you munch through. If you want to eat traditional food on St. Patrick's Day, you might cook up some shepherd's pie or some corned beef and cabbage. On the 4th of July here in the U.S., well, you have that cookout, the burgers, the hot dogs, corn on the cob, the watermelon. Thanksgiving, of course, that's the traditional turkey dinner with the stuffing and mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce, I suppose, if you like cranberry sauce. But what about today? Do you know some of the traditional foods that are eaten on September 29th? One of the foods that has been associated with today is goose. Have you ever had goose? I never have. I've had duck. I've, of course, had chicken and turkey. I've even had emu, but I've never had goose. Whenever I hear about goose as a meal, I usually think back to that story, A Christmas Carol, by Charles Dickens, where Scrooge, he's visited by the ghost of Christmas present, and they go to see what's happening in the home of Bob Cratchit, and the family is sitting down to a Christmas Eve dinner of goose. But why is goose a traditional meal here on September 29th? Well, the story goes like this. In the 5th century, St. Patrick, he was in the presence of an Irish king, and this king's son, they were at a meal, The son, he choked on a goose bone that he'd eaten, and the son died. And the legend goes that he was brought back to life by St. Patrick. And this took place on the feast that we celebrate today, the Feast of St. Michael, also known as Michaelmas. And so in Thanksgiving for his son being saved by St. Patrick, the king ordered the sacrifice of a goose every Michaelmas in honor of the saint. Now, our family is not going to be eating goose tonight for dinner, but there are other foods that are associated with the Feast of St. Michael. Blackberries are traditionally eaten on this day, and this comes from a legend that says when Lucifer was cast out of heaven by St. Michael, he fell to earth and he landed in a blackberry bush. Satan, he was so furious that he cursed the fruit, he spit on them, he made them unfit to eat. And so this is supposed to be the last day that you can eat blackberries before they turn before the late fall and the winter. So there's been this this historical tradition. You no longer pick or eat blackberries after today. So I ended up calling my wife this morning and I said, Hey, 
blackberries. Do you want to make a blackberry cobbler for us tonight? And she said, I'd rather just eat fresh blackberries. But I finally convinced her. And I had to kind of twist her arm a little and say, well, come on. It's in honor of St. Michael the Archangel. So I think tonight we're going to eat both fresh blackberries as well as blackberry cobbler. And after dinner, we'll say that traditional prayer to St. Michael. Now today, it's not only the Feast of St. Michael. It's actually the Feast of the Archangels. And so we want to take this hour to better understand who the Archangels are and their role in God's kingdom. And most importantly, how knowing them, understanding their role, how that can help us to know and love and serve Christ better. And joining us today, helping us look at the archangels, helping us have this better understanding and better perspective of their role that they play is one of our regular spiritual directors, Father Michael Hurley. Father Michael is a Dominican priest from Pacifica, California, and he's the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. Father Michael, welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here. Uh, Are you going to be eating any traditional uh, foods for Michaelmas, the the Feast of St. Michael? No no doubt. I mean, I'm delighted to hear that you began with (laughs) the Feast of St. Michael, because let's face it, today is the Feast of St. Michael and Companions. <laughs> and Companions. Well, and that's something else that I, I was looking back, and maybe you sure. can give us a little history on this, too, sure. because uh, St. Gabriel and St. Raphael, they used to have their own feast days. Now it's all been combined together. Do you know why? Yeah, come on now. Yeah, come on. That's, no, okay, so I'm going <laughs> to, I don't mean to disparage any uh, liturgical kinds of uh, ordering of the calendar, but the, the, the reality is St. Gabriel used to have a, a feast day that was right before the Annunciation. And that okay. makes sense, right? Because Gabriel is the one who, in a sense, speaks for God in communicating that great evangelical uh, announcement or gospel that Mary's to be the mother of God. So we celebrate, ga- traditionally you celebrate Gabriel before the Annunciation on, on the um, 24th of March. And then Raphael is a little more interesting. Raphael uh, is the paradigm, becomes the paradigm uh, for guardian angelship. So there was, um, this was a, this is uh, kind of medieval times where you have especially sailors and those who go on on journeys. And if you're familiar with the book of Tobit, and if, no, if you haven't read, if you're listening to this and have not heard or read the book of Tobit. It's a great adventure story. It's it's this kind of um, kind of tale of adventure. It's kind of um, I don't know. Indiana Jones meets a romantic comedy meets a kind of like um, a, a, a medical uh, kind of yeah. crisis kind and of thing. And it's a very it's a short story read too. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, you could read it in one or two sittings. So it's not it's not a and, and it's a story, too. There's there's it's 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 a, just a fast and it has some of the beats. It's often chosen um, at weddings because there's this beautiful blessing of the marriage bed uh, at the end of it, which has been traditionally passed down uh, to the church as the blessing of both um, of, you know, uh, husband and wife uh, on their wedding day and uh, that sense of protection from the angel and the day demons that were bedeviling uh, Tobias's wife uh, before she got married. Anyway, um, Raphael becomes, if you will, a kind of paradigm for what we now know as the Feast of the Guardian Angels. Um, And that was on the 24th of October. Now it's it's moved up earlier in the calendar, October. So anyway, I think that, I mean, I don't know exactly why it was, uh, they combined them all. 
uh, I guess I, the sense of kind of you put them all on one day to kind of uh, highlight that. But I, I, I'm going to this is just my per- personal opinion from one one father, Michael, is it's that it was something delightful about each having their own particular days. But it, outside of our Lord and our Lady, today, no doubt, is the greatest feast day in the church, in my opinion. Really? Because it's your namesake, or is there more <laughs> yeah, to well, it? Well, yeah, but that's true. No. <laughs> well, both and, Josh, I think we're both and people, so, so certainly I have a particular interest. But I'll put it this way, that um, there is a unique, certainly all the great saints in the church inspire us, and we're devoted in particular ways. But I guess in terms of it just being a kind of overlooked or underrated, uh, we've been given angelic counterparts uh, that are able to help us on the road to salvation. God has given us uh, these guardians and revealed to us the names of three particular angels uh, for our benefit. In other words, they are just from the very first glance, a kind of a kind of sign of God's love, his care, and the particular providence he has for each one of us. Uh, Michael and Gabriel and Raphael, they're, they're saints, if you will. They, they are already experiencing their heavenly beatitude. And so other than kind of, I don't know, curiosity or just the, the kind of scope of, of, of what creation is all about, we wouldn't really need to know about them except God reveals them to us so that they might be of help to us. And so in other words, they reveal something about to us about God that we otherwise would not have access to, that we mm-hmm. otherwise wouldn't know. And for that reason, um, where you have all kind of the, if you will, human saints uh, that, throughout the centuries that show us God's life in their life, here we get insight into God himself in terms of his providential care for us beyond the scope of our ability to know. And in that way, I think it's certainly, maybe not at the greatest, so you don't have to compare, but, <laughs> but certainly underrated and perhaps insightful in a unique way that no other saint's day has this particular insight. Well, so let's talk about what we do know about angels, what has been revealed. Um, primarily, this is going to be coming from Scripture. So, uh, you know, first of all, we know that they are not humans. It's not a human dies, they go to heaven, and they become an angel. That's They're, they're a completely yep. different created being from humans. So we know that. And some are good and some are evil. You know, there are the angels that remained in heaven with God, and there are the fallen angels. Uh, what else do we know about angels? Yeah, we, we actually know. I mean, we, we know. I would say the sources of our knowledge certainly come from Revelation, uh, the existence of angels. But uh, as the angelic doctor, the great uh, theologian Thomas Aquinas, whose nickname is the angelic doctor, <laughs> and is the angelic doctor because... He has a whole um, reflection and series of, I would call, um, if you will, investigatory or a reasoned uh, um, explanation and insight into angels that come from our reason. So we know angels from two sources, both revelation and once we have that revelation, we can think about it in the same way we know about God. But we can also reason based on scripture to things like the Trinity or talking more specifically about the incarnation. In other words, the creeds put faith together with reason and give us, if you will, the content of our faith. So too, our knowledge of angels are given from scripture, things that we could not have known, but they also, using our reason, we ever think about what would the angelic life be? What would that look like? And so when it comes to the creation of the angels, we know that God created them. They're not 
um, you know, eternal beings. They are creatures. Um, and we don't really have specifically where, when they were created. Although St. Augustine makes a very convincing argument that when God says, let there be light, that is the creation of the angels. Because if you think about it, there's no sun and moon, there's no heavenly bodies, there's, there's, no, there's no nothing there, there's chaos. And when he says, let there be light, that is the creation of angelic life, of spiritual intellect uh, and will, these spiritual persons. They're every bit as person, personhood, they have person in the same way as human beings without, without any material uh, component or bodies, if you will. And that the one thing that God does not call good is when that first day turns to evening and darkness. And he says, everything is good, but there's a, this kind of notable omission in that first part of Genesis where it says it turned to darkness. And St. Augustine says, that's the moment. There's the moment of the creation of the angels. And then there's a next moment when they are able to choose for God or for mm. themselves. And the moment of darkness comes into being when Lucifer and his minions turn towards self, according to the book of Isaiah, we take this as a kind of uh, statement of the devil, non-servium, I will not serve. They turn to themselves, they are shrouded in darkness, their intellects are darkened, the casting down of, 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 of Lucifer we hear in Revelation happens, and, uh, and that's when they go from that, not heavenly place, because they're not in the beatific vision, but in that place of where they were created, in creation, immaterial in every way, um, that they are, they, they find their, if you will, their place separated from God. Whereas in that moment when the, uh, the light turns to God, uh, that's the, if you will, the salvation of uh, the, what we have known as the uh, angels or the saints who are spiritual creatures. And so that's creation for us, uh, kind of, if you will, uh, kind of exegesis from the great Saint Augustine and the creation of the angels. Hmm, that's beautiful. Uh, now, we also end up having from Revelation that there are different uh, levels of angels, what are called choirs of angels. Uh, can you kind of walk us through that? Sure, absolutely. This comes from St. Paul. St. Paul is, is wonderful. He, in fact, has that, that place in his letters where he says, hey, I, I know a guy, whether he was in or out of the body, I, I don't know, but I know a guy who might have been taken up to uh, the third heavens, right? And he's talking self-referentially. Right, and so right. he has some yeah. kind of vision or kind of thing. I just I think it's kind of fun the way he kind oh, of yeah. <laughs> demurs <laughs> there in that moment. It's like, I, it's like when someone comes to you and says, Father, I have someone who has a problem. I'm, let me tell you about my friend here. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of, I wouldn't so, know anything kind of about this, but uh, it, it, this is exactly. what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. So he's kind of doing that, which it's always, there's a lot of humor in the Bible if you, if you kind of can get the kind of, you know, taking it for uh, at face value in terms of that. But St. Paul in Colossians, uh, says talk is talking about Christ, and he's giving uh, this great revelation, which is 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 uh, sung in the church. There's kind of a hymns in the early church that thinks uh, that's thought of as, as kind of the where this comes from in Colossians. But he says Christ is the image of the invisible God. In Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth. So he sees Christ as the kind of the the, the imago dei, the image of God, and God Father Creator creates, if you will, through and using his son as that image. And he says, whether on heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible. And then after this, he says something that grammatically you can take as, a, as an appositive, that is describing the invisible world. So he says, heaven and earth, visible or invisible. And then he says, what does he say about the invisible world? Whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers, all were created through him and for him. And so the church has taken and tradition has taken uh, from those early church fathers to take 
these uh, names or these titles of thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers as being orders of ranks of angels. And you combine them with that. Uh, with in Isaiah, you get the um, the seraphim and the cherubim. In fact, you've got cherubim in the in the in the, um, uh, in the Garden of Eden that guard the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve are cast out. And then you add the particular angels we celebrate today, which we know their names, the archangels. And then we take just those ministering spirits that Christ talks about in the gospel when he talks about not despising the little ones, uh, that their heavenly messengers or angels are in heaven. So you put it all together and you have nine choirs of angels uh, that, uh, that are all revealed in different places. But the core of that is in, in Colossians, where St. Paul talks about uh, those different ranks. So seraphim, cherubim, thrones, dominions, virtues, powers, principalities, archangels, and angels. You know, one of the other things that I'm also struck by is the fact that when you have these different times in Scripture, when we read of somebody encountering an angel, quite often they're terrified. In the Old Testament, we have points where an angel appears to someone. They're they're worried they might be facing death at that moment. Even John the Apostle in the book of Revelation toward the end of his description of everything that he's seen in that vision. He has this angel who comes before him, starts talking to him, and John is so awestruck, he's so overwhelmed by the presence of this angel, and, and it doesn't state that it's an archangel, just, you know, says that, that this angel comes before him. John is so overwhelmed, he, he falls on his face, and the angel has to tell him twice this happens, and he has to tell him both times, stop, don't do that, don't bow before me, worship God alone, I'm a fellow servant of God, of Jesus. This is a much different image of angels than what we typically see in a lot of art, you know, a human with some wings or a fat little cherub that's floating around up above looking very soft and cute. Those don't yeah. seem threatening or frightening or terrifying at all, unlike what we see in a lot of encounters. Absolutely. This might be a little bit provocative, but, you know, when we think about, you know, science fiction and talking about aliens, that is, other life forms on different planets, Oftentimes we have, you know, since they're unknown, perhaps a more uh, kind of scary or, <laughs> or intimidating uh, sort of view. And in the church's view, you might put angels into that category. In other words, angels are fully, in a sense, alive. They have intellects and will, so they are persons but they are non-human persons, right? And so they are, if you will, life forms that are well beyond us in the capacity of their ability to know and to love, and yet they interact with us. And so whenever they interact with us, they have to do it kind of at our level, not according to their nature, but according to our capacity. And so it stands to reason that they would be, they, we, we aren't able to see an angel in this lifetime with the fullness of who they are, uh, simply because they can't be seen by material eyes, but also because their grandeur is so majestic, so awe-inspiring that, like Isaiah, you just want to throw yourself down and not and, and not interact when the when the when the when the angel takes the burning coal and presses it to his lips. Right? There's right. there's always a sense of of fear and tre- like in the best sense of the word, fear and trembling of awe in the presence of an angel, and so that's why often their first words are. Do not be afraid. Right. <laughs> Don't be afraid. And they have to say that because otherwise you, 
you you, you might uh, you might be in, in sheer terror and not be able to hear the message that's been given to you. I think that also gives a lot of insight that do not be afraid. You know, those yeah. are the words right after the greeting that Gabriel gives to Mary. And it says she's troubled by the greeting. Now, you could say, what are the words that he said? But it could also just be the person of this angel that's there in front of her that she could be really <laughs> quite uneasy <laughs> with this is a a really, really kind of uh, uh, overwhelming experience. And so I'm troubled, not just from what's said, but just being in the presence of this majestic, awesome being. Absolutely. And and that's the thing that the Lord, when he reveals himself to us, he does in so many ways, you know, in the kind of uh, quietly, silently, hiddenly, the ordinary kinds of ways. But but <laughs> how to put it, to see the full manifestation of the world, which is kind of, you know, beyond our world or above our world or, you know, kind of permeating through our world, it's going to be a, literally an eye-opening experience for us <laughs> when, we, when we come to, uh, to our heavenly reward, for sure. Our spiritual director here today on The Inner Life, Father Michael Hurley, a Dominican priest, and he's the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And we're talking about angels, specifically talking about the archangels, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, on this, their feast. And uh, when have you asked for that intercession, that protection of one of the archangels? How have the archangels helped you to grow in your faith, to grow closer to Christ? And that's what we want to talk about next coming up here uh, in just a moment, how the angels and the archangels help us to know, to love, to serve Christ better, how they can help us grow in our faith. Our studio line open for your phone call, 888-914-9149. Obviously, Father Michael is a wealth of information. Maybe you have a question about one of the archangels, something to clarify that's uh, just been a question in your mind for uh, months, even years. 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More on the Archangels coming up next here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio studio line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com slash forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Again, that phone number you can call in as we're talking today about the archangels, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael. Phone number is 888-914-9149. And how have you reached out and asked for that intercession and that protection of the archangels? How have they worked in your life and helped you in your faith? 888-914-9149. I hope you also heard that uh, promo that ran, that spot that ran just before we came back to the show. So important. Coming up this Friday, October 1st, 
Uh, Relevant Radio has partnered with EWTN and the Napa Institute to encourage as many people as we can possibly get to join together and pray the rosary every single day for an end to legalized abortion in the U.S. And if you're able to join us, especially uh, be part of thousands and thousands and thousands, and hopefully, like Father Rocky said, maybe even a million people. If we can get a million people praying every night together on the Family Rosary across America uh, at 7 p.m. Central, it, it, the the um, the results of that prayer. There's no way that that many people coming together would not have an impact on the outcome of the protection of life. And so I really encourage you, uh, tell your friends, tell your family about it, and join together in prayer. Um, Pray it on your own if you're not able to join us at 7 p.m. Central, but if you can pray with us at 7 p.m. Central on the Family Rosary Across America, please do so. Um, There's just no issue right now that is more pressing in our contemporary American society than this fight for life, this battle for life. And so please do that. Uh, again, uh, talking about the archangels today here on The Inner Life and our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley. He's a Dominican priest from Pacifica, California, pastor of St. Dominic Parish in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. And Father, we've got Ken who's calling us from Joliet, Illinois. And Ken has a question. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the program today. Good morning. I just have, uh, this is more of a question. I've been always curious, um, Due to the fact that the angels, although they're very powerful, are not humans, how they were elevated to the status of saints? Sure. No, Ken, that's a that's a great question. Um, when you talk about saints in general, I think perhaps the definition of a saint is one who is, as the word implies, kind of holy. And the fullness of the holiness, or being set apart, which the name means, is simply being in the presence of God forever. That is to come into that eternal reward and eternal beatitude. And so salvation is not only for human beings, but simply for all creation. And when applied to persons, which angels are, because a person is some entity, if you will, that can know and love, angels can both know and love. And so they are not human people, but they are spiritual people, if you will, or or spirits or intellect and will, who are now in the heavenly beatitude that the Lord created for them. And so they're saints in the sense that they are the fullness of who God created them to be. And for all eternity, they will be in the presence of God. Ken, thanks so much for calling in with the question. You know, one of the things that I I would like to point out here too is, and I, I know we've been talking about this already, kind of in a roundabout way, but I remember years ago, Father, reading this person. And what happened, this was before I was Catholic, I was part of this Bible study, and we were going through, and we were studying angels. You know, what in Scripture do we see about angels, and and what kind of angels do we encounter in different experiences in Daniel and Ezekiel in the New Testament? And uh, one of the take-home questions research this on your own, come back next week, and what do you think it is? And it was the creatures that were flying around the throne of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. And they have six wings, and they fly with two wings, and with two wings they cover their face, and with two wings they cover their feet. And they're flying around, and all the time, 24 hours a day, never stopping, crying out, holy, holy, holy. It's where we get that part from the Mass. And the question was, 
What kind of creatures are these? Are these cherubim? Are these seraphim? Are they some other kind of angelic creature? And I came across one commentary, and it stuck with me so strongly, because this person, he said, you know, what really I think we should take away from this is, what's the centerpiece? It's not the angelic beings that are flying. The centerpiece, everything circles around the Lamb and that throne that the Lamb is on, Jesus himself. And in fact, he is so important that those angelic creatures that are flying around, they don't even want you to see them. They're covering themselves up as much as they can with those four wings. And they're only flying with two of the six so that your focus should be primarily on Christ. And that's something that really stuck with me. Yeah, it's it's really good to understand and and know that we have the assistance, the help of the angels, but not to get too caught up on angels that we lose sight of What's the most important thing? You know, Father? Absolutely. No, Josh, that's well said. In fact, that's when I talk about angels, that's where you kind of almost want to start, <laughs> is that uh, that the, all of what we know about angels, and this is, goes back to why I was saying this is, if you will, the greatest or the most unique feast day in the church, uh, it points us to Christ in a unique way. It really is uh, not so much a feast day of the angels on their own as it is a feast day of <laughs> who Christ is and who the angels are for Christ and for us through the providence of our Lord Jesus, right? And so, and very clear that, you know, angels, well, I'll put it this way. Here's a little test. There are about 300 references to angels in all of the Bible, like 273, I think, specifically. So you ask yourself, the Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Testament is what? Is, is much bigger in terms of volume than the New Testament. It's like two-thirds of the whole Bible, right? Two-thirds, one-third, roughly, okay? So you ask yourself, there's roughly 300 references to angels in all of the scripture, the Old Testament is two-thirds of the New Testament, two-thirds of the whole. Are there more references to angels in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, right? And the short answer, well, maybe I'll give you a pause there. What do you think, Josh? Maybe I'll put you on this. Can I put you on the spot? Is it allowable to put you on the spot? Yeah, that's no, that, was... that's fine. That's fine. No, I was just <laughs> kind of doing a mental inventory of everything from Genesis yeah. all the way through. Yeah. And I was thinking, yeah. okay, well, we start out with angels, uh, you know, that are so central to the nativity story. Yeah. Um, and then we have, uh, you know, angels that are so central in the book of Revelation. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I almost want to say maybe it's a 50-50 split. Oh, good. No, thank, no, and thanks for playing along with me. But, but it is, it's almost there are, as you said, 300 angels, and they're in all, almost half the books, 38 of the 73 books. But it's not even close. It's two to one more angels in the New Testament than the right? Old wow. Testament. Absolutely. And here's the reason. It's just for what you're saying. It's that they are associated with Christ. And Christ is obviously <laughs> revealed in the oh, New Testament. Yeah. And so his angels are going to doubly <laughs> be present in the places where he is. And even we believe, and this is what Jesus says, last that last thing when he says, I'm coming, coming back, the angels are there at the ascension of Jesus and say, hey guys, to the apostles, why are you, why are you looking up there? He'll come back the same way he comes down, accompanied by the angelic hosts, right? And so wherever Christ is, there's always angels and not just an angel, a host of heavenly angels. And so that angelic life really is intensified, is made manifest, and is truly central to the person of Jesus Christ and to his creation, at least in our experience on this 
on this side of the, the veil, so to speak, in our own experience of angels. So I, it's well said that, that angels are, are uniquely point us to Christ. And if we get a little too curious, we should always keep that in perspective. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, Father, let's go to Jim. He's listening in Wisconsin. Hi, Jim. Thanks for calling into The Inner Life. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to promote uh, prayers to the the, uh, the chaplet of St. Michael. Yes. Um, it's, it's a prayer that goes out to each of the nine choirs, and you can find it very easily on, on YouTube, looking up Mother Angelica, um, chaplet of St. Michael. But in my experience with it, um, in praying it, um, it has significantly reduced um, uh, temptations, uh, temper, um, anything that would be um, obstructive spiritually throughout the day. And I have to say that in praying it, it has uh, given me um, perhaps the most um, spiritual, um, oh, what's the word, uh, maturity or um, assistance um, that, uh, that, that anything has helped me in the past. Uh, Jim, that's, that's fantastic. Um, is there, when, when you talk about is the, um, how, just to let people know, I, I we don't need the whole chaplet, but e each, um, kind of bead of the chaplet, if you will, is, uh, to one of the different choirs of angels. So you got the nine choirs of angels and there's the Lord's prayer that's prayed, but is there, um, is, is there any particular, in, in your kind of mind, any particular virtue or strength that you've been able to really kind of come to mature, spiritual maturity with by praying the chaplet consistently? Um, it's, it's hard to identify it to anything in particular, um, but it, it just feels as though uh, the threshold of distraction and temptation yeah. is significantly reduced uh, throughout the day where it's prayed. Nice. Yeah. St. Michael does that. <laughs> He's a spiritual warrior. <laughs> That's fantastic. No, I, I would definitely recommend to, as, as, as Jim is mentioning, to, to look up the chaplet. They, there's, there's, they're not, it's a kind of rosary bead looking kind of thing, just beads that you can pray right. on it. And, and very it's got helpful. a different number of beads though, doesn't it? I believe. Yes, yes it does. Cause it has nine. Uh, you, you, so the rosary is the, the decades, but the, these are not, there's nine a uh, series of nine beads that uh, have each one. We've talked about the choirs of angels earlier. And so you right. you basically ask St. Michael through the cherubim, the thrones, the, the dominions, the virtues for a particular virtue um, in terms of obedience, humility, free from temptation, uh, guidance, strengthening, uh, kind of almost like the guardian angel prayer, the old prayer okay. that perhaps yep. we know. <laughs> the nice rhyming guard, prayer. Ruling yeah. guide. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it kind of takes you through those. Well, let me ask you this, Father. Um, what should our relationship be with the archangels? Because especially when it comes to St. Michael, you know, he's kind of this, uh, we see him as this military leader, so to speak, leading the legions of angels that are the army of God. But we also, being here on earth, we are part of what is called the church militant. We are in a spiritual battle as well. But I kind of see, you know, if if he's this high-level general or, you know, the other archangels are the envoys of God, and if I'm this lowly soldier in the trenches, 
I'm not really going to get FaceTime with the general. I'm going to have to go through this chain of command. Is there any kind of presumptuousness on our part to call on St. Michael or the other archangels for their help, for their assistance? Uh, no, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I, I certainly understand the question. You're like, everyone stay in your lane kind of right, thing. Right. You just yeah. go to the next, <laughs> the next, the next guy up in terms of the hierarchy. No, I think, I think the reason why Michael is revealed to us is precisely so that we can have, if you will, a kind of devotion to him, right. Or to Gabriel or to Raphael, right. In other words, God wouldn't reveal their ministry to us. Remember when we talk about angel, we're talking about what they do, not who they are. When right. we talk about a spirit, we're talking about who they are, and that's that's not available to us. We don't know who they are, except in these three occasions where we know the, if you will, the names of these angels, which tell us what they do for sure, but they give us a kind of insight into who they are. And I'll just say a word about Michael, since you bring up Michael. We, he's often associated, certainly in, in uh, kind of art with swords and 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 strength and casting down the devil and and military and those who are called to protect and serve either in the military forces or policemen or, or even firemen people who are uh, in a sense put themselves in harm's way but the name of each of the angels reveals something to us about god so for instance you'll notice all the archangels the name ends with el and so it's a compound a hebrew name and in hebrew the name for god is E-L, Elohim, or L. And so each one of the, and that goes for Daniel himself, you mentioned Daniel earlier, right? And so they all have qualities, it's naming the person through a quality of God's presence in them. The name, so Gabriel is God's healing, uh, I'm sorry, God's strength, Raphael is God's healing, but Michael's an interesting name because the name Michael means who is like God. Mm -hmm. And you can take that almost like a, a kind of interrogative or as we have the story from tradition that's alluded to in scripture, you have the devil who, when he is faced with God's providence of, of, of the word of God becoming, uh, taking on human nature, says, I will not serve. I mentioned that earlier and turns to itself. Michael's response, that is, the, the, Michael's, if you will, weaponry, is not what we would classically think of his great intellect or his, his great ability. Uh, I mean, Michael is, is traditionally not the thing, thought to be by nature higher than Lucifer or more intelligent than Lucifer, but it's his humility that's mentioned in his name. In other words, his name, who is like God, is basically saying, look, <laughs> none of us are God. In terms of service, that's who we're created to be, to serve God, to know, love, and serve God. Who is like God? No one's like God, right? And so any attempt to say, I will not serve or I'll do it my way, which is, I, I often say that the devil's theme song, as much as I love the chairman of the board, Frank Sinatra's music, I did it my way is the devil's anthem. I did it my way. It's, it's up to me, right? Michael's name reveals that for all of us, the core virtue of humility, saying in our lives, who is like God, draws a kind of strength and power to overcome the devil, to vanquish pride and selfishness in our lives, and to expand our capacity to love in every way. And so in terms of devotion to St. Michael, when we pray that prayer to St. Michael, when we pray the chaplet to St. Michael, at the core of that is connecting with the person, the little sliver of insight we have into the person of who St. Michael is as a champion of humility, as one who can give us that same humble dependence, um, a connective attitude, which helps us to thwart the devil, helps us to tap down 
and to quench the pride and selfishness, that gravity to ourselves that we have through the effects of original sin, and ultimately to be strengthened by God's love, to know, love, and serve him as St. Michael does himself. I really like that. And, you know, that might also be uh, kind of just following up on the last caller you know, you asked the question, how are you strengthened in praying that chaplet to St. Michael? How are you strengthened against temptation? Well, if we're being strengthened in the virtue of humility, following in the footsteps of St. Michael and the humility that he exhibited, knowing his place, you know, I'm not God, who is like God? If we're strengthened to, in our humility, that right there is going to allow us it doesn't really matter what the temptation might be. We'll have a stronger resistance. Absolutely, because it won't be our strength only. Yeah. It'll be God's strength in us precisely for what we need in that moment. So it, it could be concupiscible things like bodily things. It could be uh, kind of irascible things, anger and frustration. It could be even spiritual kinds of things where it's 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 pride and, and, and being unable to forgive or to be communicating God's love in every way, whatever our temptation, and it doesn't matter, any of the seven deadly sins or any of the unique forms of selfishness that we become habituated to, there's, if you will, the prayer to St. Michael, which arms us with the foundation of every virtue that is that humility so that we might receive the particular grace that we need for that particular moment. All right. Well, there's so much to get into here, Father Michael. Our spiritual director on the program today, Father Michael Hurley, and he's a Dominican priest and the pastor of St. Dominic Parish in uh, San Francisco. And today talking about the archangels and taking your phone calls as well. And Father, we've got a lot of people waiting to talk with you. So uh, we've kind of pushed our last break of the hour as far as we can. So we need to take that. But we'll be back with more phone calls. And if you'd like to join the program, the number is 888-914-9149. As we do talk about the Archangels on this, their feast, 888-914-9149. More coming up right after this on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life spiritual directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back to The Inner Life. Hi, I'm Josh Raymond, our spiritual director, Father Michael Hurley, as we're talking about the archangels on this, the feast of the archangels, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael, and also taking your phone calls at 888-914-9149. You can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. And Father, we've got John, who is calling in from Las Vegas. John, I know you've been holding for a while. Thanks for being patient. Welcome to the program. Thank you very much, and thanks for the wonderful program. Uh, I've always had a uh, very strong devotion to St. Michael. And one thing I always wondered about, though, is, uh, you know, that that great battle in in heaven, uh, it seems like it must have been a you know, a, a horrific, terrifying kind of a thing, but yet they were, you know, they're, they're not material. And so, wh- wh- I mean, what, what, wh- what kind of a battle was it? I mean, what, what, you know, what have been some of the, uh, you know, the followers of the church and what have been some of the things that have handed down as t- an interpretation of really maybe what that might have been? 
Yeah, no, uh, John, I really, I appreciate the question myself because I've often wondered the same thing. Like what, what would the experience if you were just a fly on the wall, so to speak, <laughs> be like? And just, I think you just have to admit from the very beginning that anything we might use to describe it is going to fall short, right? And because our, our, our imaginations are material <laughs> by definition, by nature, right? And so any, any description of, a, of an, in an imaginary way or an imaginative way is is not going to be the reality because they can't be seen touched they, they, there's no material there so just like when we describe heaven as a wedding feast we know that heaven isn't necessarily <laughs> that but we know that there's going to be something akin to that that's the best we can do uh, so too uh, the, the images of a, a great battle a great conflict that involves you know uh, you know say, you know in terms of classic theology kind of swords and spears but you can you can, you know, even put it into modern sorts of weapons of, of destruction kind of thing. You know, the the greatest, you know, nuclear bombs and, and kind of vision wouldn't stand, would be nothing compared to the power of an angel in conflict, right? And so you, you, could, you could think of, you know, any apocalyptic uh, kind of doomsday scenario and then the violence that would go on there would be a shadow of the conflict that took place in that moment when Michael and the devil squared off. You know, another thing that, uh, as you're talking there, Father, about the, you know, we think in material terms, there's one part that always stood out to me in the book of Daniel, and it's where Gabriel, he comes before Daniel, and he talks about, I was trying to get here, and I was held off for about three weeks until Michael, the archangel, comes and helps me. And he's in this kind of spiritual conflict, unable to get to Daniel. You know, we always think of heaven, of God, of the angels being outside of time and space, but it seems like there is some sort of being bound by time there, at least in that moment. Uh, any insight on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, I could go, I, I'll, I'll keep it brief, but angels are, are temporal creatures, right? They're, they have a beginning <laughs> and they're into eternity. If they don't experience time, and you talk about angels experience, but they wouldn't experience time the way we do as a, a continuum, because that's uh, for us, um, time is the measure of motion, right, and, and and corporeal motion. But angels do experience a kind of time, if you will, a kind of before and after. I often say imaginatively, think of if you've been, ever been in like a, a dance hall or a place where there's a strobe light going off, right? So with the, because the light flashes quickly, one after the other, there's a strobe effect where you're seeing things kind of choppily, right? You know, you're kind of like, yes, and they like light darkness, light darkness, light dark. And or you think of drawing animation, right, where it's you can smooth it out by putting all of the different frames very close to each other, but the frames themselves are all discrete. So I would say angels experience discrete time before and after, but not necessarily the, pa the same passage of time in the same way. But they're definitely, they're, I mean, they're limited, they're creatures, they're in time, but they are now, and St. Thomas calls it the, not time, but the avum, this kind of in-between okay. time. Kind of discrete time. So, 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 yeah, that's 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 probably good enough. <laughs> Father, let's go to Linda, who's listening in Pennsylvania. Linda, we are really short on time, but wanted to get your question on here before the end of the hour. Yes. Hi. Thank you for my call. Taking the call. I'm, I'm I'm calling about the fourth guardian angel or the fourth archangel. I, I just heard about him with Father Simon yesterday, and I didn't really know anything. Yeah, so uh, I think, are you referring to uh, Uriel? Uriel, yes. Yeah. Uh, Uriel, yeah. So, yeah, so Uriel is, is not given to us in the scriptures, but uh, through uh, non-canonical 
kinds of traditional texts like uh, Enoch in the second book of Esdras. Um, and there's different, uh, you know, kind of in the life of Adam and Eve and other, other um, sort of uh, ap uh, apocryphal sorts of, of texts that, that we have that are much later than the, the scriptures. But that he, he functions that the name Uriel simply uh, means the God's light. God is my light. And he's, depending on the tradition, um, well associated with um, a repentance, uh, with a kind of the enlightenment of heart and soul towards um, protection of God. Um, there's a tradition that he protected John the Baptist during the murder of the Holy Innocents. Um, uh, so there's 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 different traditions around him, but he's not. I, I think once again, when we come to the names of the angels, we I think we do well to stick to the three we know from from Scripture, um, because in essence, if we get too far down, because I know sometimes folks will get into all kinds of traditions around different angels that come from you know different sources, non-canonical sources, and we get they get into a whole angelology, which I find fascinating personally. But you don't want to get too far afield from the center of who the angels are all about, and that's Jesus Christ yeah. himself. So yeah. so, yeah. Linda, thanks so much for calling in. And Father, uh, as we're kind of winding down the hour here in our last uh, 60 to 90 seconds, I thought it might be nice to have you close us out with uh, not only a blessing, but also if we could uh, end with the prayer to St. Michael, the archangel. Oh, I would love to. Yeah, so this prayer, then uh, by Leo the 13th, is is is. is Powerful, beautiful, and, and often said at the uh, end of Mass, and in a low Mass, and we do it here at St. Dominic's on our daily Masses. So we'll pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So pray along with us. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray. And to thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Michael, for being our spiritual director today. Of course, if you missed any earlier portion of the program, go get the podcast at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Mass is coming up next, and please join us tomorrow. It's the Feast of St. Jerome. We're going to be talking about St. Jerome and love of Scripture. Great day to talk about it tomorrow. We'll see you then on The Inner Life.